standard lovemaking session. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, you're, this isn't in the episode. Well, I'm, cut- <laughs> I'm cutting that out. <laughs> Uh, anyway, hello, welcome to Serious James, your weekly go-to-sleep podcast with me, Serious James. We've got Peter Hall back, I was going to say, in the podcast studio, but everyone knows that we're not in a podcast studio. My podcast studio. Let's pretend we're in a studio together. Yeah, man, yeah, in my bedroom. Yeah, we've got that, that sick Hey, g- give me that drink. Okay, here you go. No, not that one. Oh, the other one. <laughs> Um, Welcome back. This is episode four of the regular ones, five in total, because we've got the NFL special. Um, Hoping to make those more regular. So Um, confusing. Yep, definitely. Um, Anyway, man, how's how are you? How how stuff? How's how's your week been? Have you done anything super interesting? Seen anything super interesting? I'm well, man. I got hammered for the first time in weeks the other day. Like inside on your own. No, I went out into the world and had like a social distance outdoor walking around getting hammered with our friend Jordan Kelly. Nice. Where did you go? We bought a bottle of wine and some tinnies each. Um, <laughs> Bo- sorry, a fucking, sorry, a fucking bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, well, Jordan was like, this wine's meant to be good. I was like, let's get one each. Uh, which I didn't know was he was like we'll be absolutely fucking sloshed after this. I was like, it's like one bottle. It's only like thirteen percent or something. Oh like. no, wine's fucking deadly, man. Yeah, I was sort of drunk. I think after it, it's the devil's juice wine. And then we just walked walked around the uh, down the old lanes in the forest and walked around the town. Showed him showed him where I'm living now and shit. Nice. Oh man, I'd love to. I'd love to walk around and drink wine. Well, come up, man. It's an open invite for anyone who loves a bag of cans with the lads. <laughs> lads, lads, lads. Um, what about you, man? When was the last time you got drunk? Um, when was the last time I got drunk, man? Um, um. I don't know. I mean, you know, sometimes I, you know, I try and get to the to the pub with um, with my granddad maybe like once, once every two months or something, um, and I always seem to be a little bit tipsy when I'm when I'm done there. That's like a Sunday afternoon in the pub, um, and that's what's, what's your what's your sort of round that you get? What what do you drink while you're in there? I well, it's, it's a pint. You gotta have a pint when you're at the pub, don't you? With the boys, you gotta have a pint. You have one pint, and no, not tipsy when you leave. <laughs> no, not one pint. It's normally about five or six. A pint of vodka. <laughs> no, no, uh, just like five or six pints. Um. Uh, yeah. Do you no, get no. old Matt? Do you match your granddad, and you get the old John Smiths or something? No, he doesn't. Um, he's not allowed to drink uh, pints. Um, because okay. it's a it's because of the gluten, I think something like that. So he has what? Uh, vodka lemonade. Nice. Um, well, Probably one of the healthier drinks you can have, I reckon. Right, you get vodka and tonic or gin and lemonade. You know, just like gin, vodka, one of these like or whiskey maybe. 
Uh, yes, yeah, clear, isn't it? They always say clear liquid. You get like a better headache. I want a real good headache, the best headache possible. You don't want a headache the day after, though, do you? No, what you just said, I was taking the piss. Um, Yeah, this week's been, you know, it's been a good, it's been an okay week. Um, You know, we're still in the middle of sort of lockdown and now there's sort of support bubbles that you can have now. So, you you know, if you're single, you can go off and start shagging around and stuff. you know, good for you if you want to do that. Fair play. It's so funny that they had, they had to address that. Like <laughs> that was the, the need. First thing we said. Yeah, I like how you can go and have sex with someone, but you still can't go and get a haircut. Yeah, I saw someone post a meme like a few days ago, and they were like, "Because said Thorpe Park and all the towers and that is opening, but they're going to have a gap between, you know, an empty row on each of the roller coasters. They're going to be doing temperature checks on the way in." And someone posted a tweet saying. Uh, I can't hug my nan, but I can go on Nemesis Inferno with her. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't make any sense, man. I, I guess, you know, I don't know, man. If you want to take the risk and start seeing people, then surely, like, that's on you, isn't it? Like, do what you want. Like, why? I think, well, it should never be up to the government to decide what's ethical, you know. So uh, the government obviously have to make guidelines and rules and then enforce them at different uh, with different levels of severity obviously I, I think it's not a crime is it to just go to your fucking mum's house to visit her or whatever it's just like frowned upon but then it's frowned upon not to recycle it's frowned upon to you know but isn't it isn't it against the laws <laughs> what, what what's the one like get a jack off on a plane I, that's frowned upon isn't it what's that thing out of the hangover <laughs> Jerking off on a plane is like it's just frowned upon. It's not illegal, is it? Well, even in the toilet. Well, I, I'm well, on on a plane. We're talking about on a plane out in the in the plane bog. Yeah. What? What? How, man? Those are so, cramped. So a long flight, and it's very. You've, it's a very sort of emotional time of flight, isn't it? You know, people cry easy when they're watching films on a flight. You're all stressed. It's tiring. And I think when my body's under duress, I think when I'm like, un- I feel a little bit out of my element and under attack, my balls just get so full. That's the quote for the episode. <laughs> my balls you just take it. get so full. Where's the timestamp on that? Um, yeah. Well, wait, let's wait and see. We might have some more corkers. Um, while we're talking about that, have you seen uh, the uh, news article about Virginia Fuchs? The what? The, uh, so she's an Olympic boxer. Have you seen this news story? It's amazing. No. She's no, a no. US Olympic boxer that USADA had banned because she tested positive for two banned substances in February. So they've said you're banned. Okay. You're not allowed to have. You know, you, you know, you've you've got these two things um, which you can't have. They've since reversed the decision uh, because they've figured out that she um, hadn't been taking the substances. Uh, she'd got um, she'd gotten through the sperm sample th- through the sperm of a fella. What? Yeah, <laughs> mad, isn't it? So. I understand. Her partner had been taking the banned substances and has obviously shagged her. Just get into her. 
cream pie day, yeah, and that has seeped into her blood system and caused her to have a positive, wow. yeah. I think you can um, you can transfer drugs over to people that way, can't you? It's crazy. The, the, he must be on some strong shit if he's all he's done is yeah, shag it. Do you know what I mean? mean? Do you do you reckon if you um, also if Paige Van Zandt, if you're like, listening, I'm, I'll happily take some substances for you. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. But uh, do you reckon if, say, if you ate loads of onions and then jizzed up in someone, they'd get, like, oniony breath? <laughs> no. You'd have to eat a lot of onions or shag them a lot of times, probably. I don't think... Yeah. I don't think that'd be, that'd be it. Um, That's yeah, so that, crazy. I hadn't heard that, though. That's mad, isn't it? So, yeah, she's, uh, she's not being punished anymore because her fella's obviously taking some Cuban... Um, some Cuban supplements... Awesome yeah. Nganu supplements after the picture that you showed me the other day. That's insane. Um, yeah. So that yeah, that was one thing this week. Also watched uh, or rewatched Reservoir Dogs, which cool. uh, such a you haven't seen it for a while or uh, probably three or four years. Um, I think. I don't know, man. Every time I rewatch a Tarantino film, I'm like, no, this is my favorite Tarantino film. I don't know. There's just something so. Dogs is that for you? Yeah, there's just something so. so, I don't know what it is. It's just really just so simple. The whole premise, isn't it? Like basically, they shoot an entire film at a coffee shop and then at a warehouse. Which yeah, it is. It's a good, it's a good film. I don't think I've seen it for a few years. Really? Um, And it just got me thinking this week because there's that scene where he's... um, You know which scene I'm going to talk about? Where um, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. And he's slicing the... He invented that, I think, didn't he? Police officer's face. What do you mean? He invented... I think Tarantino sort of... Well, it, obviously, it had been done before that contrapuntal use of music, you know, sort of using either happy music in a horrifying scene or it's been done in horror films where they'd use, like, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. And then it's, like, <laughs> yeah. scary or, you know, whatever. But I think using it in that manner and bringing it to the, you know, bringing it to the mainstream a little bit more and making, you know, he, everything that Tarantino did in every one of his films gets ripped off by everyone for years, especially like Pulp Fiction totally rewrote the book on how to do a screenplay for like 10 years afterwards. Yeah, everyone was just, uh, yeah, there was just this mad rush of non-linear storyline telling, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Which which he just sort of fobbed off of Thingy as well, because that's the whole premise of... Um, that film from the 30s, I just can't think of. What film am I thinking of? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But anyway, that got me thinking Wait, of... you're thinking of 12 Angry Men? No, the non-linear storyline from... It's the, the the old man and the teddy bear. Oh, Winnie the Pooh. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. What, what film was it, man? Ah, oh, it's going to really annoy me. Anyway, yeah. He's, we'll he, we'll he, think of it before the end of the episode. He ripped it off that. And then that just got me thinking of other sort of 
films where you just hear because like whenever I hear that piece of music, I think, oh, it's Reservoir Dogs music. You know, I can't yeah, help it. Big tune as well, that. Yeah. So that just got me thinking of other films that I've got like a great song in that you just think of that film whenever you think of it. So I've got a few I've got a few here. Let me know what you think. Uh Bohemian okay. Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously. Which film are you thinking of? Which film am I thinking of when you say Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. Oh, I thought I thought you were saying, "Have you have I seen Bohemian Rhapsody?" No, 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 no. Which, which, like, if I say we're we're singing Bohemian Rhapsody, oh. which film? Yo, I don't know. What Wayne's World? Oh, no, I don't think I've really seen Wayne's World, dude. Fucking sort your life out, man. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of a hyper version thing, like my friend group sort of were really into it and quoted it all the time and then you know if someone goes you have to watch Ozark you have to watch Westworld then you just go oh fuck you I'm not doing what you tell me so I think because everyone just loved Wayne's World so much that I was like well I'm not going to watch it I mean you should watch it it's really good uh, but yeah <laughs> them headbanging in the car what about Mizaloo um, Mizaloo is the film that you're talking about A Trip to the Moon no. Oh, okay. Uh, Lou is from... That's from a Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah, the opening credits to Pulp Fiction. Everyone knows that sort of... <laughs> that's it. It was like Dick Dale was there. Um, let's see, what have we got? I Man- can only hear the Black Eyed Peas version in my head now. Pump it loud. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. What about, oh, dudes, no. What about Mad World? All around me are familiar. Is that from Donnie Darko? Yes. Yeah, it's a great film. Yeah. I like this. Let's do this every episode, man. That would be a film quiz. What about, let's conversation, a little more action, please. I don't know if this is as Um, iconic, but I just always think of this film whenever I hear that. All I think of is, isn't it from like an advert? It was from like a, either a football advert or a car advert. When we I think it probably was from a football advert as well. But yeah, it's it's used yeah. in a, a big film. Um, I remember there was an Elvis tune. It was was it not Elvis tune Unchained Melody was used in Lilo and Stitch. It was. I'm not thinking of Lilo and Stitch. Um, it 2001. The film came out. Arguably the best yeah, cast of all say. time. Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it? Was it in that film? Yeah, it's you know the bit where they just sort of where they they where they, where they like go into Vegas and he's got like the shots of all the casinos and the stuff and like yeah, I always think of Ocean's no Eleven. Yeah, yeah. Are you positive? One hundred percent. I'm not okay. now that you've said that. Memento. What about Memento? That's a non-linear film that you're on about? No, it's not that one. Yeah, it was in Ocean's Eleven. Oh, okay. Um, There's a guy called Teddy in Memento. It's not Memento. It's from the 30s or the 20s. An old man and a teddy. Yeah. Well, that's the the whole premise of the film is him getting his teddies back. The Simpsons ripped it off as well. Oh, is is it the Hitchcock film where Bart's laid up with the cast on his leg? 
No, that's uh, is that is that not, oh no, it's not rear window. That's a different one. Uh, no, it's the one where yeah. Mister Mister Burns, where they like do, they recreate the film, but with Mister Burns. Oh yeah, I never knew that was um, paying homage to any film in particular. Like Simpsons do so many references to you know cultural. Um, yeah, different cultural references across the decades that you don't catch them all, especially when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. When I was, yeah, when you're like eight, you do not get that. That's trying to um, copy off. No, a film. I didn't even know that that was a film. Ah, oh, what film is it? It's Rosebud. Is that episode? Here we go. We can do it this way. What way? Uh, Citizen Kane. That's what we're doing. What? Yeah. So the non-linear stuff is a rip-off of Citizen you've, Kane. You've seen Citizen Kane? No, I just know that it's a rip-off of Citizen Kane. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Okay. Um, some more, I, don't, some... I don't know anyone that's seen Citizen Kane. No, I don't. I've, not, I've never seen Citizen Kane. Um, there's also the end piece of music in Ocean's Eleven, the piano piece, Claire de Lune. Claire de Lune's from everything, though. It's in so many things. I know, but the bit, the the one in Ocean's Eleven is just really good as well, by the, by the fountain. Um, yeah. What if it's I... It's an incredible film, and it's, so, it's written off as a bro film. It's written off, like, as if it's for sort of 13-year-old boys, like, oh, fuck, you super... But it is an incredible film. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, I think if anybody wanted to watch how to make a great modern film... Yeah, watch that! Unbelievable, man. And everyone rails on the second one as well, but I feel like the second one's a bit more tongue in cheek, and they bring it back round in the third one. Sick, like it's a strong trilogy, man. And and each play a, a different role, and they're each cheeky in a different way. Like if you obviously, if you had the laser sequence in a different film, then I'd be like, this is fucking ridiculous. But <laughs> yeah. it slots right in. in yeah, it slots right yeah. in in Ocean Twelve. It's 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 in keeping in the reality, the magical reality of the world. Yeah, I think like if you're gonna critique those films, then uh, uh, like if, you, well, sorry, if you're gonna critique the realism of those films, then like get your head, give your give your head a wobble. Like because the first one is about yeah, it's not about that. The first one is about how they rob hundreds of millions of dollars from three casinos on a on a gigantic boxing match, and it wouldn't it would never happen in real life. The whole premise could okay. never happen. So, yeah, and there's no such thing as, you know, Nevada gaming laws that state that they have to have so many fucking like, chips. No, no one's as cool them. as... Yeah, no, no one can... It's it's like this fantasy level of suave. That's yeah. what you... What yeah. It's like, you're watching it going, oh, fuck, man, that is, like, mega cool. So they just have to make everything sort of cheeky and, and funny and cool and stylish, and, and that's what it's selling you. Do you know what I mean? It's... It'd be like going watching fucking a Marvel film and just going, oh, I don't really believe the Hulk could exist in real life. The <laughs> the density of his femurs would have to be such that they would break under the weight of him. Like, Yeah, like no criminal acts like Brad Pitt in real life. It's just not... It's just not no, possible. they're not nice people in real life. What, no. Wasn't there someone... Who was it that... I can't remember who I heard talking about the other day and they were talking... It was someone who was involved... Um, in like crime and they would say it might maybe Sean Atwood or something. I can't remember. Have you seen Sean Atwood? No. He's the guy from uh, Cheshire, I think. And uh, 
like a dude who made money in stocks, if I'm not mistaken. Like so people who know him, I'm I'm probably getting every single fact oh, just okay. very slightly wrong. Yeah. But um he went to maximum security prison <laughs> in America. Uh, but you know, because he was smart and 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 British, he sort of managed to make his way through it without, you know, becoming a bleak fucking cold shell of a man. <laughs> and, uh, he's out and he, he writes books and does podcasts and stuff but um, yeah it, it may have been him or you know some character like this that's like an inspirational ex-con and they were saying the guys in Peaky Blinders for example are not they wouldn't have been nice in real life people yeah. who are like that are not like they don't love women and they are, and there's honour among thieves and stuff they're all just pieces of shit in real life so everyone who's going on getting the Peaky Blinders haircuts and dressing like that on nights out and stuff you're actually idolising a complete fantasy you fucking tell him, man. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to try and do the voice again. You. There'll be no fighting at this wedding. That, that was as good as a little throwback to a previous episode yeah, for the, uh, the for select the, for the one listener that's listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if anyone gets what we're on about there. <laughs> Email seriesjames at gmx.com for a prize. Didn't get any prize. No one emailed in last week, so we're rolling the prize over. Shocking. So we've Shocking. got we've got a two-week rollover on the prize. So email in seriesjames at gmx. Prove that you're still listening, and you will receive a prize. That's been I might do a over. bit of insider trading. I'll know if it's from you, man. I'm not, yeah, not going to email it like, hello, it's me, Pedro Sanchez. Like, I'll get a mate to do it. <laughs> King of Nigeria looking for some... It's me, Ron Mexico. <laughs> Ron Mexico. There's another callback to your podcast. Fucking we do that Mexico. on mine? Yeah, Michael Vick. Ron Mexico, man. Did, did you watch that podcast, by the way? I watched the first 12 to 13 minutes, I think. Not not good enough to watch all the way through, is it? No, it's not nothing to do with you. Is I don't, I don't really want to watch myself talking about Michael Vick. It is really weird. So like uh, my podcast that I do, the Pretend Chip podcast, nice is um it's video as well, and I edit them, and it takes ages to edit them as well because I'm trying to put it's like on a green screen and I have one camera. I'm trying to make it look like three cameras and trying to make it look like we've got a set there and all sorts of shit's going on. Um, so I have to pour through the whole episode like with a fine tooth comb. Every second of it gets watched over and over again. And I'm looking at myself and it's, it's I don't think anyone's ever looked at themselves as much as I've had to recently. It's like, uh, yeah, so- it's, I've got this real strange association, this real weird feeling where I'm, I'm like, oh, there's that guy that I'm always looking at. But then, oh, that's me. It's really fucking weird. I hate it. You've all, you've made your own bed there. You, no one no one told you that yeah. you need to edit it so it looks like it's three cameras. No, no. I need to change. I need to change what I'm doing with it, man. I don't want to do any more <laughs> Zoom episodes. So you've been on recently for a Zoom episode. If anyone wants to go and check that out, it was on a couple weeks ago. Um, so we talk about like Michael Jordan and Michael Vick, and, and uh, you know, it's just it's nice to see if anyone's interested in serious James, the man, the myth, the legend. You can have a see what it looks like for him to scratch his beard for an hour. Um, <laughs> Kim's mum said that. She said, what are you scratching? I was just, I don't know. If I, she like, knows I, don't, that... I, I don't, like, I won't do it if I can't see myself. But because I could have seen myself, I was just playing with it, man. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, so you're not doing any more Zoom I ones? 
Um, well, yeah, it's obviously nice to do. I've been doing Zoom ones and making it look like I'm talking to a TV just because I, I didn't want to take a hiatus for, you know, an indeterminate amount. I didn't want to be like, well, let's see how long lockdown lasts because then, you know, I'm, I'm just fucked with the momentum that I'm, any momentum I might be building with it, you know, however um, infinitesimal. Um, but I, it is getting really annoying to, to pour through every second and also do the TV and fuck with the whoever's audio from the Zoom calls. Mm. I know no one gives a shit about that. Like, oh, I struggle to do the podcast, but I'm trying to do it for fun and it's not fun to edit. Like, I guess also like you don't, want, you don't want to put it out if it's going to be shit because then what's the point, right? Yeah. No, I mean they're they're good. They just it just takes no, so I mean, long to. Yeah, what what I mean is you could spend zero hours doing it and put it out, but the end product wouldn't be as good, would it? So like, what's the point in putting it out? It's uh, yeah, exactly. Much. Like I, I could very easily sort of phone it in, so to speak. And uh, but I'm I'm trying to create a nice, uh, you know, something that's at least a little bit rewarding to actually sit and watch rather than just like here you go, here's me just talking about my ideas to my mate. You <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'm coming down for July 11th, right? Is that Fight Island? That's Fight Island, baby. UFC 250. So I, I've sort of yeah, I didn't really check out any of the cards. So why don't you you want to run me down the cards? Have you not seen the two like the other two cards? I don't give a shit about. But the 251. Well, I know Bobby Knuckles. I know Bobby Knuckles is fighting Till. That's all I know. That I don't think that's been. Is that 173? It's, I think Dana's announced that, yeah, he's, it may have been for like the week after. It's either like the, they're having an 11th card, a 15th card, and then something after that, right? Uh, Bobby Knuckles, uh, Darren Till, is um, the last one. So it's UFC Fight Night 174, um, which. Yeah, yeah, I'm up that, for that. That, that. The first fight will be good. The 251 card is, I'm so excited for this. So we've got Frankie Edgar versus Pedro Munoz, which just throws more fire into that bantamweight division. Like yeah, yeah. I just think Frankie a bit long, long in the game. Yeah, I think Pedro probably. Yeah, I think Pedro Munoz probably wins that. I think Munoz swings fucking kettlebells. And <laughs> yeah, Frankie he's... got knocked out off Brian Ortega, who's got who's like the prettiest guy in the UFC. Yeah, his so Munoz's last fight was Aljamain Sterling, which was the decision at UFC 238. Thought he, yeah, and, and like now we know since then that Aljamain Sterling is yeah. no joke. So that's even more impressive now. And and also like it, he didn't, it wasn't like a dominant. I was fully dominant according to the judges. I don't remember it being that dominant, man. Um, he, no, he didn't get twenty-seven. Out, but... I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think. Well, the. Oh, a ten, three, ten, nine rounds, I guess. So yeah, um, so that's on there. That's on the undercard. The actual card itself, which I'm super excited about. Amanda Rebas, don't care about her. Paige Van Zant. So Amanda Rebas versus Paige Van Zant. Sure. Paige Van I'm Zandt. here for the Van Zant memes. Paige Van Zant needs to win because I don't think she wants to fucking fight anymore, man. Like, yeah. she, when was she? She's not. She doesn't need to fight, man. She's an Instagram model now. She doesn't need to fight. The last time she fought was Race to Lostovich, which was uh, what? Don't, a, what don't a get fight, axe though. kicked right in your moneymaker. No, no. Um. So there's that, and then there's Jessica Andrade versus Rose, which will be uh, an amazing fight. I hope so. Yeah, because uh, Rose was looking real good in the last fight. So. And, and then, if, if 
there, there are mental issues with Rose, though. I don't mean that she's mental. I mean, there's like a psychological component to it. Well, whether she yeah. actually wants to do it still. Yeah, I feel like it. just checking out shit that she's said since the last fight. When she's dialed in, she turns up, she's a fucking ninja. But when she's, I feel like she's very emotional and somewhat temperamental a little bit. There's some instability there. I guess she's got to redo that rematch, though, because of the way that it ended the first time. Yeah, you you have to do it, but I just hope that we that Rose uh, turned up. Oh, man, I hope it doesn't end in the same way as well. That was brutal, that slam. Oh, my goodness. That, oh, no, man. that was a freak accident, I think. Oof. And then the after that... accident that she wasn't knocked out from it. That was the... Yeah, she, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, was, uh, yeah. She could have died, man. Like, all, all jokes aside. Easily. She could have died. Easily. And then the three fights after that, three title fights, Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo for the bantamweight belt. Uh, I've got Peter Yan yeah, for that all day long. Peter Yan, I've got that do, all day long. But do you, do you think Aldo should be getting that fight? No, I don't think he deserves it uh, based on sort of current... I don't think, cause I don't, I don't think he's a legit bantamweight contender. However, I think, you know, like you said on the last podcast, he probably deserves it given his history with the UFC, you know, throwing it. The, the UFC have thrown Frankie Edgar a title bout recently when he's not necessarily yeah. a fucking contender. And, so, I mean, uh, Speaking of Aldo, uh, well, Edgar and Aldo both are like uh, multi-weight sort of um, beasts at uh, different weights, but yeah, Aldo especially was looking great at Bantamweight. So. Yeah, I, I don't but know whether... I, I don't know whether... I, but the, I don't know, man. I, I could... And I got... I think there's other people in that division who are more deserving of a shot right now, but Dana doesn't work like that, well, does he? This is so. Aldo's last chance as well. Yeah, um, I, I still think Peter Yan fucks him up, man. That guy frightens the fuck How out. How crazy is it? Well, I, I just said this is Aldo's last chance. How old is he? He's not that old. He's like in his late 30s or something. No, he's not even... I don't He's 33. That's mad. 33. That's mad. Dude, he's still got like he could still fight for like another ten years. Yeah, easily. And he's not taking like any. They don't. He's taking brutal knockouts either. Not really. Decision loss. Decision loss. I oh, lost to Holloway yeah, twice. Body, but... Dude, get just getting yourself ready in the camps and stuff like your body's just taking such a grueling beating. Like I bet he's got fucking stress ulcers and just like. Uh, if he's training in Brazil as well those Brazilians fucking train like madmen it's a good job they've got the uh, old Brazilian umbongo juice (laughs) so uh, Aldo's losses the unbelievable knockout to McGregor I'm going to put it out there wasn't brutal it just looked good for McGregor wasn't like a brutal hammers while he was fully out didn't he but that was like the first time he'd ever been knocked out, quote unquote. Yeah, and then big ego crushing below that. Level. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think there was long term damage there. Max Holloway twice TKO yeah. punches, but Holloway Holloway's not a massive puncher, man. He's not a he's a volume guy, isn't he? So yeah, yeah, for sure. Volkanovski lost by decision. And then lost by decision to Marlon Marais as well. So actually, he's probably only had one bad knockout, and I don't think it was that bad. So Aldo could probably still fight for like another four or five years, man. Yeah, he's man, only well, 33. I think that's a good fight. Yeah, it's a I'm great fight. See it, man. Yeah, I, th- I think Peter Yan takes it. Um, 
And then Volkanovski Holloway for the featherweight. That's a great rematch. Nice. Uh, I think I think Holloway corrects all the mistakes. I think it's a different fight. Ooh, I think Volkanovski comes out top, man, and I'm willing to put dollar on that. Well, we'll put some dollar on it then because I think Alex found a cheat code and then they, with the new up system update, the the bug has been written out. I don't know. I'm willing to go against Shredder. I don't think Volkanovski will come in and do the same thing twice, man. I think he'll find something else. No, no. He'll have, he'll have a new... That's what I mean. Like, he, he can't do the same thing twice. So, I'm sure, mate, he's with one of the best striking camps in the world. So, I don't I don't think he's. it was a fluke the first time by no means. But I think the window that he had with... This is Holloway we're talking about. It's not... This is, like, arguably one of the best fighters there's been in any weight category. So I think that window closes, the chances of winning again become less. They, they are reduced. I mean, the only thing that uh, concerns me is the height difference. Like Holloway's got that reach, yeah. which um, is the only thing that puts my problems. I always think Volkanovski's a small featherweight, man. Or is Holloway a tall featherweight? But both. It's both. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I see Sahudo's calling out Volkanovski as his um, one and only come out of retirement. Well, he's not calling him well. out. He's saying like that's that's the only reason that he would come back. That's 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 him calling him out, man. One hundred percent. He wants him at featherweight as well. I'd love to see Sahudo at featherweight. <laughs> I want to see him at every weight, weight category. He he had adamantium he, put on his bones so he can fight at middleweight. He would. He's got to be the tiniest featherweight in division history if he goes up, though. Oh, just a little ta- tangent then. Do you, do you know what? I just reminded myself of saying Sudo with adamantium on his skeleton. Yeah. It reminded me of. Do you remember I wrote like this comic in school, and I, yeah. and I wrote as all characters, and your your character could like turn into metal. Titanium remember? James. Titanium Jamie. That was your yeah. name. <laughs> I remember, man. Sick. It's so good. Just reminding myself of it. I wish you'd save those. Um, I, I must have them on an old hard drive or something. It's the nerdiest thing ever. Uh, to be honest, it's spent ages. I still well, do shit like that. Kim's got one. I'm sure she has. Yeah, yeah. Kim could go invisible. Nice. Oh, she'd love that. Yeah, I sort of tried to. It was a little bit like heroes' powers, uh, in that. They were a little bit more realistic than like, I can break down atomic bombs and shit, you know, like X-Men shit. It was a little bit more like, oh, I can I can run pretty fast. Or, you know, you say that, mine could um, create his own metal. Yeah, I don't think you could just like make an Eiffel Tower in front of you. I think you could just sort of like coat yourself in like a organic metal-like substance maybe. Or I can't remember what it was. Um, I'm sure you told me I had the uh, ability to create metal. Yeah, maybe I can't remember what it was really, but I, I remember the. Yeah, I think I tried to give everyone. This is the lamest thing ever. <laughs> I, try, I tried to give everyone powers that was like uh, affected by their backstory and like their personality and stuff. So my parents yeah, obviously I got crushed by life. some sort of metal. The ability to stop, prevent that from happening to other people, surely. I, I, I don't think they were crushed. I think they died of an iron deficiency. 
<laughs> Can you die from that? Yeah, they're in, in the hospital bed. Uh, help me! I'm not making mind. And you were like, "What do you want?" And they were like, "Avenge me!" <laughs> so, so they died of something very, very curable. You could just replace them with iron tablets. Well, this is this is back when we were younger, you know. Yeah, well, they didn't have times back then. medical advances. Uh, and then so, the uh, showstopper, I, I guess, is Usman Burns. Um. Get it, Burns, man. Get it. Did you see what Nate Diaz tweeted about that fight? No. He's saying it's not a real title fight, basically. So let me get it up. Basically, what is Diaz? It's just Diaz was nothing. He was just shy. And then Connor made his life by making him famous. I don't know. I know That's Diaz. All he, is. he had had a bit of a cult following before um, uh, uh, Connor. What what percentage of the his net worth now did he have back then when he called uh, Connor out? Well, I mean, I can go over his fight thing, but um, let me just get you this tweet. Because um, they'll just fuck ma- off the. He's, he's as annoying as Connor, just like tweeting all the time. Fight, don't fight. Don't sit at home going, oh, you guys are pussies. Everyone's on steroids. Just, just fuck up. Just shut up. Not a bad impression, though. Uh, but yeah, he um, basically fucking said that Usman and Burns wasn't a real title fight. There we go. Uh, where are we going? Um, saying that Usman what, was like a Meaning that child. Burns didn't deserve it. So he said, "That's this is what's wrong with people claiming that they're fighters, settling for less because they know they're not worth shit. You should have fought the next guy in line, not the guy who'd take less because he's told to. That's why no one remembers yeah. either of you. This isn't a title fight. I get paid more than both of you I, together. I sort of, I sort of get what he's saying. Like, I mean, what he's saying is true. The, yeah, you want the best guys in a way to sort of like unionize, obviously. But what that will, um, in a way, you know, like we were talking about on a recent episode, like the Joneses, the Masvidals, everyone sort of trying to make the money that they're worth. But until one of those guys sort of, um, I don't know, keep. I don't know the, the correct analogy for it, but is is pulling the not pulling the ladder up after you've gone to the attic? Is that? Is that uh, I get what you're saying. I think you're right. I think that because but you're always going to get the, the the guys that want some money, who are the Gilbert Burnses or whatever, who can now make money because they're doing pretty well, but they've not got the fame, or whatever. But they also aren't in a position to demand more money. You, they're just going to come in and go like, oh yeah, sweet, I'll do it, boss. You know? See, you, but I take that tweet as a dig against Usman, not at Burns. It's not Burns' fault that he's in this title fight. Usman's not taking well, a fight. Well, it was like a backhanded, because he was saying, like, look at you just fighting this gimp. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the UFC wanted to push the Masvidal fight, didn't they? And then that never materialised, presumably because of Usman. Yeah. Because Masvidal's game for that fight I don't think you could argue that. Um, I don't know. Everyone's always just trying to demand more money, aren't they? But then, like, in that division, you're not going to do the rematch of Colby because it just doesn't make any sense. And I mean, you, you could. And, yeah, but, but, but then why, man? You can't run that fight back. Colby, Colby got beat, didn't he? Like, yeah. It's it wasn't reason a reason to, but, I'd, you know, I'd, 
I think Colby's good, man. I think he could could win that fight. Yeah, I think he could, but as from you know, from a you couldn't sell. I don't think you could sell it to the fans. Whereas, you know, I I, I don't know. I think Masvidal's probably. Uh, yeah, I think I think Masvidal wanted the fight. Usman said no because he's scared of the power that Masvidal has. Dude, we have to get a, a bottle of the uh, El Reguerdo. Yes, the uh, tequila. Yeah, let's let's buy some and then we'll do like a live taste test, or we'll just fucking do an MMA podcast and, and drink Masvidal's. Uh, well, mezcal. can we do that? And can we also drink the rocks as well? Oh yeah, yeah. Why not? Is that is that the done thing? Do you mix some? Are we doing like I don't know a bit of this bit of that, or do I'm we not... stick on one? Let's just a diff, every episode we'll just go. This episode we're going to be drinking sponsored, not sponsored. Can't say sponsored. Um, but yeah, so July 11th, we'll come up, I'll come up and we're, we're going to do a, a another fight companion oh, for that. So is, is shit going to be cool for us to do that by then? Yeah, it's a few weeks away, isn't it? Okay. Uh, we'll do another fight companion. That was super fun. Probably wasn't great to watch, but it's a good card. Hey, um, do you know my favorite shit about us doing these uh, MMA ones, these UFC coverage? is we're doing it for the love of the game. There's absolutely no demand for it at all. <laughs> doing it anyway. It's just, it's just, I don't know, it's just common ground that we have. We've got films, we've got UFC, yeah. and we've got life. This is what we talk about when we're just hanging <laughs> this out anyway. This is just a real just conversation, like, hey, yeah. Fuck you, whatever you want to listen to, you're listening to what we want to talk about. Uh, so, uh, someone that I used to work with put a very lovely comment on Facebook about this podcast. Oh really? What did they say? Yeah, it was super nice. So we're trying to get it up now. Um, they say, "Oh, you can out. tell that the uh, the guest has such a handsome face." <laughs> shout out to Mark. So, do you want me to read you the comment? Oh, it's gone now. I think can't see it. There was no comment, was there, James? There was. The suit. There really was. I don't know why the comments. Be honest. There. Was there ever a comment? He uh, said that they really enjoyed it. It's like a couple of guys just sitting talking in a pub which I'll yeah. take any day of the week. It's good. Um, so, yeah, we'll definitely do a, a fight companion for that card because it's, it's stacked. Three title fights. It'll be the first time three title fights on a one card. Three, uh, yeah, three full title fights. It definitely will be, won't it? No way. Three? Three? Not included interims. I think it's got to be the, the, it's gotta be the first one where it's three full. Oh, yeah, full, maybe I'm thinking of interims. Three full. Um, so yeah, that'd be a good card. Um, ah, I also had a couple more songs because um, because um, what like what uh, what film do you think of if I sang started to sing like All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix? Uh, I think of uh, the Watchmen. Yeah. I thought you would. Whereas I think of like Good Morning Vietnam, and I'm not even sure it's in that film. It just reminds you of it. Yeah, because it's like uh... just the 60s, isn't it? I guess. And what about Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones? Don't know it. You don't know Gimme Shelter? Sing it. Ah. Whoa, children, it's just a shadow away. It's just a shadow away. <laughs> Whoa, wow. 
<laughs> my body, I feel like I had an out of body experience there. Like Mick Jagger was in the room. Do you want me to play it down the mic? Why am I typing Mick no, Jagger in? No, I, don't, I don't know the tune. Don't you know do. It, man. You do. No. I'll stop now in case I get sued. You're going to get your podcast episode pulled. <laughs> it only did 13 seconds, it's fine. Does that not ring any bells at all? Not one bell. Really? It's in three Scorsese films. He loves it. All right, all right then, yeah, I remember it. Watch. I said no. <laughs> it's in uh, The Departed. All I remember is Dropkick Murphys from The Departed. Oh, that was the other song I was going to say that the, I'm shipping up to Boston. I'm a sailor pig. Such a great song. Uh, it's also in Goodfellas and, Casi- and in Casino as well. I think Scorsese loves it. What, it just uses it all the time? It's in three... It's, I can remember it being in those three films. It might be in some others, man, because I remember just going on a bit of a Scorsese binge and thinking, why the fuck is that song in everything that he does? But yeah, you... you He's put it in at least those three films that I can definitely remember. That's lame. I never watched, um, what was that new one he did with the de-aging? Oh, The Irishman. Is it in that? It might be. I never that. watched it. Did you not? No, what, what are you saying about it? It's, um, it's, it's good. It's, it's a long burner, which I really like, because I like that it's three hours long. And yeah. the, the what, the de-aging kind of works until you see De Niro, like, walking. Because <laughs> he's got, like, an old man walk. Because <laughs> he's, like, meant to be 20 years old and he walks stiff as fuck. And he can't lift like, his hey, head. Hey, 20-year-old De Niro, <laughs> you need to go to the doctors immediately. <laughs> and there's, there's a scene where he beats, like, a shop owner up. And he must be, like, in the scene, like, in his like late 20s, early 30s, and he punches like an 80-year-old man in it. And it just sort of, for a, <laughs> for a brief second, you're like, hang on, that doesn't look right. And then you're like, oh, okay, okay, whatever. But yeah, it's really good. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, do you know much about what it's based on? Um, no, I don't think I do. do. What about this? What if I download the shittiest quality version of it so it's not HD, it's like 240p. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, but I don't know because you'd st- like the 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 face stuff's kind of okay, but it's like the body stuff that like you'd still notice that even on low res, man. I think. What if I, ju- I download it and I just listen to it? I don't watch it. Uh, you yeah, you'd probably get a good. It's, yeah, it's good. It's, it's uh, yeah. a great blind film critic that I used to follow. I don't think he does it anymore. He's called what? Tommy Edison, and you go you go on YouTube, blind film critic. And he's always fucking spot on. It's really? crazy how much he, yeah, it's crazy that he's, he's just like, oh, the performance from this cat, like everything he says, he's you're like, yeah, yes, that's correct. But how the fuck do you, did you figure that out from just listening to it? So then because of like listening to his stuff, I was like, all right then. And then certain films I go, I bet this is good to just listen to. And I'll stick films on just like listen to Wolf of Wall Street or listen yeah. to Inside Man and be yeah. like, it still works. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, 100%. You, I, you don't need to watch that. That's something that I would put on while I was working, just like in the background. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'd miss anything. I, I, I watch that every month. I watch that film. So good. I rewatched that the other day as well. It is so good. Again, 
not the best Scorsese film, but my favourite one, I think. Uh, Any yeah. other films you've been checking out lately, man? Um, I rewatched Social Network after we talked about it the other week. Yeah. Hoo-wee! That's... Oh, my God. Oh, I could just eat it. It's yeah. tasty. For me as well, it's like it's got this... Um, I don't know. There's, there's this weird, like, godlike quality to the camera. You'll yeah. see it if you look out for it in Fincher films, where he, you can tell that. It, not if you look at, if you're not looking for it, you won't notice it. Which speaks to how natural it feels within the scene. It's not like this arty farty sort of like, yeah, let's try this to show everyone how cool I am at directing. Like it, it really just furthers the immersion of the audience into the film. But what it'll do is. You can tell what must have happened is they planned out the scene so many times and just got the blocking perfect and mm. the actors rehearsed it, rehearsed it, rehearsed it and they filmed it again and again and again until the cameraman has memorised the micro movements that the actor's going to do and got the beats down to the millisecond and then the camera sort of follows the motion of the actor a little bit and yeah. and it's it sort of makes you feel as if you are the actor in a way because... In real life, if I'm just watching some guy and he walks across my field of vision, nothing moves, the world doesn't move, just this guy moves across it. I'm not connected to that guy. He's a third, he's like a tertiary character in my world. But if every when you move, everything moves with you. You stand yeah. up, the whole room changes position. When you stop, the room stops. And that's what it makes you feel. It makes you feel like you are the character when you're watching David Fincher films. Yeah, no, you're Watch right. Watch out for it when you're checking out films, man. And it just Sorkin's screenplay as well is just like it's oh, just so good. That opening scene. Yeah. How many pages was that opening scene? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's just it's ludicrous. Like with that where he's oh yeah, where he's just in the bar. Like, it's madness. Yeah. And like I I forgot who she was as well until I like Rooney really watched it. I was like that's fucking Rooney Mara, man. Who who appears in Get it right uh, in the bomb. Another David Fincher film, just ignoring that. Uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, which is also spectacular. Oh, shit, yeah. You sort of forget that it's her, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that, that's what I mean. Like, I've only really got a couple of impressions of who she is. And because of a Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, that's the one that sticks in my mind most. So I sort of forget what she looks like when she's being like herself like in there. I was like, that's yeah. fucking Rooney Mara, man. Like, what? Why is she looking at a shaved head? But yeah, that that film I could I could eat I could eat it, man. It's just so tasty. And yeah, he yeah. he plays Zuckerberg just perfect as well. Like it's so good. Yeah, I don't even care how Zuckerberg is in real life. He just it's such a compelling watch. Such is- a dickhead character. Normally, I don't like dickhead characters. Like, did you see King of Staten Island? No. Is it good? I've heard it's good. But that's a reason. Um, it's it's okay. Uh, like it wasn't my favorite film. But the, I mean, if you if you don't have the same issue with it that I did, maybe you'll enjoy it more. Obviously, it's Judd Apatow, yeah. Marissa Tomei, all like good performances. Davidson, good performance. But the lead character is sort of really not. You can't empathise with him that much. He's just like a dickhead who you hate in a way. Yeah, Judd Apatow. Sorry, I was just going to say, Judd Apatow's really good at having those sort of male leads, like a dickhead that you shouldn't really like. But say, so Apatow did Funny People, right? And you yeah. shouldn't really like Sandler too much, but you do like him. 
Um, yeah, you used to do some of those knocked up as well. Sure. And then, you know, if we're talking about, we were talking about social network and Zuckerberg, somehow likable in a way, something charming about him in a way. You know, yeah, you do. Like you a, do sympathise with him. You do want him to sort of come out of those sort of rooms, going "fuck you, man." You don't. You don't know what he's been through, type thing. But Pete Davidson, no, you're just like shut the fuck up, you whinge bag. Forty year old virgin as well. You sort of sympathise with. Yeah, you I, know I, what I liked about forty year old virgin. That, that he shot, sort of shot it and you could watch it from either perspective. Or sometimes when you shoot a film, it's clear who the lead character is, but just by, like you could just walk into a film, see one scene and go, I mean, obviously it's like whoever the camera is focusing on or whatever, but it, I feel like it, this style of cinematography swaps over and then makes Seth Rogen feel like not the lead character and makes... Um, What's the other chick's call? What's oh, you mean the girl you're, you're about knocked up now? You said 40 year old virgin, so you're yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl, yeah. So, and then for a bit, you're sort of in her yes. shoes, and Seth Rogen's like this other character across there, like over there. And yeah. then around, you're behind Seth Rogen, the audience like following him, and she's the antagonist. Yeah. So, yeah, you're talking about 40 year old virgin, though, weren't you? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, again, like, I don't know, like, he makes that, he makes Andy and 40-year-old Virgin just seem like everyone else is wrong in that film, if that makes sense. Like, he turns everyone else into, like, the sort of weirdo freak, and he just seems, like, completely normal, despite the fact that, you know, he's a 40-year-old Virgin and, obviously, all the stuff that he does but yeah it's he's he's good at having like a lovable male lead i'm not a massive fan of pete davidson though to be honest like his stand-up doesn't special no his stand-up doesn't make me laugh that much dude check out the latest one i promise you you'll like it and no but he made like he made he made i saw a clip where he was making jokes about like ariana grande said that he had a good dick and like he was making jokes about it. And yeah. I was like, what? That's not even f- like, what? It's not funny, man. Like, wait, did you? So you didn't catch the angle that he was taking? What do you mean that he's like, it's been ruined for other women because now they've got this sort of yeah. expectation? Yeah, just like the, his yeah. whole, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't vibe with him that, that well. He's not allowed to complain that a, a pop yeah. star publicly <laughs> humiliated him. I'm not saying that he's not allowed to complain about it. He's allowed to do what he wants. What, I'm at, what I am saying is it wasn't fucking funny. So, Watch the show, man. Like a trailer. What's less funny than a trailer for a comedy a, show? It wasn't the trailer. I watched that entire sort of setup and, and payoff. It just didn't make me laugh. Um, you watch it again, bastard. Uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz, however. Oh, Oh, you started watching that, right? Oh, they. Improv comedy. Long form improv comedy. If I'd have known long form improv comedy was going to be a thing 10 years ago, I wouldn't be doing this podcast and I'd be a fucking millionaire by now or something. Because. Um, Well, I did uh, try and encourage you at least 10 years ago. Dude, speaking of long form, you you said you were doing research. Does that mean you've prepared an athlete for this episode? Yeah, I've got got an athlete. I just want to talk about middle distance. And then we'll do the athlete. Let's. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, but like 10 years ago when you were telling me to do stand-up, long-form improv wasn't a thing. Yeah. 
Whereas, uh, like, yeah. like now, if I try and do it, I'm just copying Middle Ditch and Squats. Oh man, have you seen them? I've not seen them do it, but I've seen long form improv. I, I don't know where you've got to be good at it to make it funny. Did you see Reggie so... Watts? Does it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. I get. I get. Okay. I guess what I'm saying is like Middle Ditch and Squats have turned it more mainstream because Reggie Watts is not mainstream. Yeah, very, very niche, <laughs> yeah. <of> surreal improv. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, but uh, watch them, them three. So um, I can't remember which one made me laugh. The wedding one that they do is good. So they do one about a wedding, um, one about um, going to law school, and one about a job interview. And uh, all three are really good. The job interview is my favorite one, though. I'll check them out. I'll check them out, man. Um, but yeah, I have prepared. I like, and I, like, I like Middle Ditch. I've not seen much Swords, but I like Middle Ditch. They they pay off each other so well. They they work together so well. Um, so yeah, uh, if anybody wants to be my long form improv partner, I'm willing to branch out. We'll be the English Middle Ditch and Swords. Um, but yes, I was doing some research on one of the athletes that I teased last week. Oh. So, ladies and gentlemen, a white man. He's white, yeah. Uh, sit, sit, sit down, lie down, put the earphones in. Get, give yourself a sec. Go get a brew if you want a brew. Have a little sip of water. It's thirsty. It's warm. I'm going to read you the story of Mr. Mark Rogowski, which sort of sounds like Mike Lebowski, but it's Mark Rogowski. Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. Um, so Mark Wazowski. You didn't file your paperwork last night. This guy does not file paperwork. Uh, <laughs> so it's August 10th and it's 1966, the swing in the 60s. And Mark Wazowski is born in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York. Look at Mike, Mark Wazowski. <laughs> fucking, I'm a fucking guy, huh? Um, and at the age of three... <laughs> At the age of three, he moves to Escondido in San Diego, California, with his mum and his older brother. San Diego accent. Oh, bro, let's go to San Diego. Just catch some tubular waves, bro. Um, with his mum and older brother Matt after his parents' divorce. Um, his father turns out was not not around in his life. I don't think, from what I've read, that he sort of came and had contact with. Um, Mark, which is understandable given that, that was okay family. back then. You could just you could set up, you know, pop a few babies in someone and then fuck off. It was cool. Uh, on a side note, I was listening to the Dollop, um, which is a recommended podcast for anybody. Listen to the Dollop; those guys are great. And they did uh, Timothy Leary, you know, the guy who like invented LSD. Yeah. And um, Timothy Leary's granddad died at the age of eleven, and at the will reading. Um, Timothy Leary's dad gave him a hundred dollars, gave his mum a thousand dollars, and said, "I'm going. I'm moving to New York on business." And then never came back at all. Which I just think is fucking mint. It's <laughs> somebody I'm a fucking business. Get, man. <laughs> and he bought them off as well. I bet he took his money, didn't he, the little horse? A hundred dollars. Why is he giving the kid money? What's he gonna buy with it? A hundred dollars back then. I'm gonna buy a plane ticket, Daddy, and come and see you. No, don't come and visit me, son. I don't, there's no business around here for 11-year-olds. 
Wait, and then he invented acid so he could sort of pretend, like, imagine that he was talking through that. No, yeah, I, I don't want to go into Timothy Leary because uh, yeah, th- those guys do it great. But yeah, his story's amazing. Yeah, just fucking trip balls and just shagging around. Um, so yeah, she moved to um, San Diego, dude, uh, with his mum and older brother Matt after his parents got divorced. Um, nicknamed Gator. He was Mark Rogowski, was nicknamed Gator. Um, and his older Gator brother. Gator don't play that shit. Gator's <laughs> Gator ain't never been about that shit. <laughs> That's another great film, man. Um, his older brother so was. So good. Why was he called Gator? <laughs> his older brother was a father figure for him. I don't know why Mark Rogowski was called Gator. That's not been explained, but yeah, his nickname. Oh, that's the key mystery now. His older brother Matt was his father figure and helped him become uh, an athlete. He played little league baseball and by seven he was skateboarding. Just think about that. Fucking seven he was skateboarding. At ten he was skating regularly. Um, uh, but his friends were sort of surfers and that was seen as sort of an elite sport. And because he was middle class, he sort of didn't have the money to sort of engage in the conversations that they were talking about, which was all like clothes and boards and stuff so we just sort of found this is this is in early 70s uh yeah early 70s so yeah skating back then like people would like longboard in the streets as a way to sort of practice surfing wouldn't they yeah yeah so that's why a lot of his friends were surfers especially in like san diego as well sort of a big well california is just a big surfing place anyway isn't it um so he sort of uh geared towards the sort of skating community and um, that's where he found a home. He was described as a gangly loner. Um, but at the age of 12, he's picked up by a local team. And at the age of 14, he turns pro, which you might go, fucking hell, 14, he turns pro. I listened to a Tony Hawk on the Joe Rogan podcast. And basically to turn pro back then, all you just had to do is tick a box that said you were pro on a competition form. So not anything like outrageous. But then... But then Mark Rogowski was outrageous as a skater um, in 1982. So he's 16. He wins his first major contest in Canada. 1984, he wins a national competition. And at this point, he's earning $100,000 a year minimum through sponsorships, endorsements, and royalties. So he's he's making he's making money selling boards, um, winning competitions. Um, his his company well he signs with a company called vision and they make his board and they're selling seven thousand boards a month people loved his brand and what he was about so people would just get you know i only want to skate with those type of boards people were getting his name tattooed on themselves he was fucking crazy so he was like in the 80s he's as big as like tony hawks he's sort of skating in the same scene as tony hawk as well so they those paths sort of crossed and they had friends and mutual friends um gator's known for his aggressive and aerial style and people just loved him so uh, in the 80s it's more it's more of the vert stuff so going down big ramps and doing big tricks and big flips and he invented the the gate the gate 360 and um, so he's inventing tricks and stuff um around this time he's touring so doing tours and he boasts to friends that whenever he toured the south of America he'd walk into 7-Elevens and liquor stores start naked and rob them and then just hide in the cornfields until the police had got bored which just why just the south why just the south of America what is it about the south 
Oh my god, Mark Rogowski's here again. Wait, why is he doing it? Like, how much money is he on? Why is he doing that? Just for the fuck of it, because he's fucking crazy, man. He's partying all the time. He's doing drugs. He's doing coke. He's smoking weed. I don't think the weed would account for the start naked. I think that's more of the coke. But yeah, so he's a he's a party animal, basically. Okay. Get yourself out of this store, boy. I'll shoot your goddamn balls off. Um... <clears throat> Nice. So it's 1987, so he's 21 now, um, and he's in Scottsdale, Arizona on another tour, and he meets two 17-year-old girls, one's called Brandy McLean, and one's called Jessica Bergstein. Uh, Brandy and Mark... Hot names. Brandy with an I as well, just want to point that out. So she's a hiller. Uh, Brandy and Mark party all the weekend, which is pretty normal for him because he gets loads of groupies, he's poking it about. Uh, but he takes a shine into Brandy, does that Mark here? Um, and he falls in, he falls in love. Um, he starts flying her to San Diego regularly. Eventually, she leaves Tucson, which is where she lives, and moves in with him permanently. Um, and this is where they become inseparable. They party together. They get high every night. And Brandy says they have wild sex. Um, he flies her to parties, to competitions. Uh, they do modeling together. They model for vision together. They do photo shoots for magazines together. Um, he dream life. Yeah, he was asked to be in a Tom Petty video for Free Falling. Free Falling. <laughs> um, oh, made... I think I'm going to hear Tom Petty's. <laughs> What's that film? Like the James Franco film where it's like Armageddon. Oh, the, uh, the end. This is the end of the world, or something. Ah, what's it called? Yeah, so, like, I can never remember because I, I always confuse it with the Edgar Wright films. Like one of them's called. World's oh, end at World's End and World's End. This is the end. It must be called. Yeah, this is the end or something. Yeah, yeah, this well, is the one end. of them. Anyway, but Danny McBride turns up at the end and uh, he goes, "You were being petty, Tom <laughs> Petty." <laughs> Um, so yeah he, he appeared in that video and he made sure that brandy was in the video as well so he's he loves a man um and around this time he starts getting arrogant he's putting on weight him and brandy had moved to carlsbad um in california which was the unofficial capital of skateboarding and basically he'd walk into shops and get stuff for free um, he'd, you know, yeah. walk down the street, sign autographs. People would honk their horn, and he'd come over and that sort of stuff. He could walk up to women and just go, "I'm Gator," and you know, he's got them by the palm of the hand. Um, and unfortunately, that he's, arrogance—he's drank his own Kool-Aid, man. He has, yeah. And this arrogance costs him his career. And so, like I said, he was a specialist in vert skating, which was ma- massive in the sort of seventies to eighties. Um, but yeah. towards the late 80s, people start street skating. Um, so street skating sli- slightly more different, yeah. So you don't wear your pads, you don't wear your helmet. Um, you know, your jeans are like halfway down your leg. You're just rolling around the street, grinding on stuff. Um, it's a bit more in your face. It's a bit more aggressive. Um they, they skate where they want, not necessarily in a designated skate park. They'll skate in a school yeah. or, you know, just like down the street, basically. And this is why they have frequent run-ins with the police. Um, and because of this, the company that he signed with Vision filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And then in... Oh, just because Burr is completely superseded. Yeah, yeah, so it 
nearly cost Tony Hawk his career as well. So um, if you've not checked it out, check out the Tony Hawk episode on the Joe Rogan experience. It's really fascinating. He sort of gives you a really good picture of the highs and the lows. So like Tony Hawk's career was similar to Mark Rogowski. He's like 16, 17, he's making $100,000. He told Joe like he had it, he owned his own house in the last year of high school where he was living with him and his buddies. Um, so yeah, basically just stopped going to school because he was making that much money um, touring. Um, and then the street scene took over and it's more uh, aggressive, it's more dangerous. You're going to lose your career. Um, and then like in the mid-90s, the X Games came back, or the X Games started, which thankfully saved Tony Hawk's career, but it was too late for Mark Rogowski. Um yeah, I think everyone everyone listening to this knows who fucking Tony Hawk is. Um, you know, they've seen yeah. him sliding down a giant vert ramp and doing 900 degree spins. And then obviously because of that, he gets his video game company and then, well, not his video game company, he gets his video games and then, you know, the rest is history. But um, yeah, cost, unfortunately for Mark, he didn't have that. So the company that he sort of signed with Vision files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and in late 1989 in Germany he almost dies in an accident so as per usual he's partying the night away and then convinced he could fly he jumps from a second floor balcony and lands on an iron fence which impales his neck his face and his thumb um, he's going for the uh, board side <laughs> nice he's going for the 50-50 <laughs> dude that sounds like PCP to me uh, potentially, it probably just booze as well, man. Booze would make you feel no, like that. No, you don't get, you don't get, you don't get pissed and do a few rails of coke and then jump out of a fucking window. What do you think happens when people are balconying in like Ibiza and Mallorca and Magaluf, man? That's what they're doing. They're just doing that. They're not a PCP. Well, you said he thought he could fly. You can, you can fall out, but you don't go. I can fly, and then try and fly. <laughs> True. Um, so he survives. He's patched up in Germany. But upon returning home, he spent months in San Diego with plastic surgeons trying to save his sort of modeling career. I have. Oh, his face was fucked up. Yeah, he impaled his face and his thumb and his neck. Impaled his face! <laughs> yeah. Uh, he landed on an iron fence, man. Oh. Um, I've seen conflicting reports. Is it, wait, is, are you going to reveal that this was Titanium and Jamie's dad? <laughs> yeah, that's that's just how it is, man. Yeah. Uh, I've seen conflicting reports that he might have been pushed, but given Ooh, uh, by rival skaters. I don't know. I don't know if you could push someone that like. I don't know, man. It seems more plausible like to see eighties films. They're like, I challenge you, my rival, to a to a skating competition, and then the night before the competition, they shove you out of a window. Yeah, just like the Karate Kid, man. Yeah, it's all 80s films. There was all sorts of pushing rivals. <laughs> um, whilst he's recovering, he meets, uh, or he befriends, I don't know how to say his first name, Orgy, Orgy, Algy, I don't know, Constantino, who's an ex, A-U-G-I-E, Algy, Algy, I don't know. Constantino, he's an ex-surfer, sounds like a mafia boss, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah big time. Come in here, I'll teach you how to be a, a model citizen, huh? You wanna come and fuck with me? I, I don't give me the fucking balls. I got the biggest fucking balls you ever seen in your goddamn life. Um, 
do timestamp that. I reckon <laughs> some of that goes in the, uh, you know, you want to put it over the intros. You want to, you know, the golden clips from the episodes. I think that one was nice. I think that uh, adds a little bit of flavour. Uh, with the ripping off of the Marlon Brando. Um, he's uh, an ex-surfer turned Christian minister, which sort of seems like two Venn diagrams that don't cross very often as well. Yeah, that Venn diagram looks like a pair of titties most of the time. <laughs> um, and he massively now influences Gator's career. So he, uh, he gets brainwashed into believing that God is real in that. Um, and he incorporates more religious themes into his board designs. And then he tells Brandy that they can't have sex anymore until they're married. Um, which really tit for Brandy. Which really pisses her off. So I've seen a quote where she says, we were having sex like five times a day and now nothing. Um, and she must have really liked that D, man, because she leaves. She moves back home with her mum and dad. <laughs> yeah. So he must have been yeah. giving it. He must have been piping good, man. Um, well, let's not, I mean, let's not be reductive. That has got to have been a massive change to the whole dynamic of the relationship even if he wasn't religious if you just become celibate that then you cut off that intimacy the physical affirmation the the chemical the oxytocin hit that you get all that shit plus the guy's clearly lost his fucking marbles he's gone full bible action on it that's why she's left she's not left because his dick's made out of magic I'm not saying that but if it was bad you wouldn't be that bothered about it would you just like okay whatever I'm, I, I can live without it do you know what I mean no, the guy, the guy's, yeah, not, yeah. I mean, the guy's rich, right? Still or not? Yeah, no, he's, yeah, he spends, yeah, he's spent so much stuff on it, so much money on her. He's bought like cars and all that stuff. But yeah, we'll take yeah, that out I of the equation. If, you, yeah, if, if you're a proper, if you're a proper gold digger, you, then you go out with people with shit dicks for money. <laughs> so you must have been an absolute fucking weirdo. Is, I have seen um, the stuff that like his brother said she was a gold digger. Um, but like he also said in the same sentence but when you see them together you can clearly see it was love which sort of like negates what he's saying I guess um, I think the two are mutually exclusive I think if Gold Digger and being actually in love are a Venn diagram she lives right in that lovely little yeah. cubage there um, so she moves back with her mum and dad and Gator doesn't play that shit man he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't like that he goes off. So you thought Gators bitches better be wearing jimmies. <laughs> Such a great film. Oh, uh, uh, he he goes. You thought he was crazy before. He goes fucking crazy again. Um. So he goes off the rails, man. So Brandy starts dating one of his surfer buddies, uh, which he no, doesn't like. Brandy. Gator doesn't like that That's shit. Fact, Brandy. So I mean, she's falling in love again, man. Like, don't put it on her. No, no she you can don't do on. it. Like, she, she no, can. Move you, on. you can choose who you fall in love with. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so he would call and leave her angry, be- angry messages, calling her a bitch and a con. Um, I don't know yeah. if I should bleep that out. Uh, he broke into her house and took back all the stuff he bought for her. So petty, Tom Petty. Man. I'm taking Tom this, petty. and I'm taking this, and I'm taking this as well. Um, you would want it all back, though, wouldn't you? You'd be like, I bought you all this shit so that you would be with me, and now you're not with me, so... I'm know, taking it all back. Let me um, get my shit back. So... After this, he like they tried to reconcile, but um, they started arguing as soon as like she sort of gets in the car 
um, after she's been picked up by him and he fucking drives into the middle of the desert and threatens to beat the shit out of her and threatens to kill her. Um, and this scared the living daylight. He's a Christian now. I know. So yeah, he's also like um, drinking heavily at this point as well. Um, so this scares the shit out of her. So she just flies off to New York without telling anyone. She doesn't tell her. Uh, On a plane, mom. or she just gets out of the car in the desert. <laughs> That's no, so uh, I, okay, I'll go back to that. So she says, "My mum knows where I am. You can't do that." And like he gets scared with that, so he drives her back home. And then she sort of just panics and then goes to New York. But she doesn't tell anybody about this. Yeah. Um, doesn't tell her mum. And she doesn't tell her friend, Jessica Bergston. Now. Ooh, that sounds like it's going to come back in some meaningful way. Jessica then shows up in San Diego. And not knowing... She always wanted a piece. And not knowing the area, she calls Mark to, to say... You know, how's it going? Can you show me around? I think I think she moved to California and was, you know, just in the San Diego area and just wanted stuff to do. So on March 20th, 1991, they go to an Italian restaurant with the nice mid balls and a little flower for the little lady. Um, yeah, yeah. Get and they some go, nice wine. Get some, get some wine like you and Jordan did, a bottle each. And then they, they go back to his place. They, uh, they watch some movies and drink some more Vigno, uh, which I think is code for fuck. Must be, right? Diciamo bravo. There's no way they're just watching movies. Um, and oh, then, yeah, it's like Netflix and chill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Jessica is, you know, she's getting ready to leave. And then Matt goes to check his car um, to see if his license was in there. And then Jessica turns to a, a picture that he, she sees on the mantle where uh, Gator has his favorite picture, a shot of him skydiving, facing the camera, screaming at the top of his lungs while plummeting to the earth. Classic, cliche um, skydiving picture. Uh, and as she stares at the picture, Gator sneaks up behind her, hits her two or three times in the head and face with his metal steering wheel lock. Which, if you've ever seen a steering what wheel... What the hell is going on? That's a fucking heavy piece of metal that he's walloped her with. That's really, like... Yeah, have you never seen the Dineptrovsk murders? No. Is that a similar I thing? Called, I think it's called Three Guys, One Hammer, if you want to look it up. Oh, no. And it's some guys um, murdering a, you know, guy with learning difficulties in the forest, hitting him in the head with a steering oh, lock. No. Um, that's brutal, man. So she falls to the floor, blood's gushing through her head. There's so much of it. Dude, why is he doing this? He's gone fucking crazy, man. And then um, so much so that it soaks right through into the carpet. He handcuffs. Wait, did, she, did she make him pay for the Italian? Or? <laughs> you didn't fucking go do what he's on the I just the circumstances. Uh, so I can tell you about wh- why he's flipped out. So basically, he's gone crazy on her as like an act of vengeance against Brandy. So he sees Jessica as everything that Brandy stands for. He's also probably doing this as a way to punish Brandy by going, look at what I'm doing to your friend because of what you've done to me as well. Um, it's hell. pretty grim. So um, he handcuffs her and carries her. I like her how you did that, man. You you mind hunted it then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's it's just like he's spoken about himself like while he's been in prison there's been a documentary about him as well um which you know maybe you should go and watch i'll get i'll give you the title for that um but i didn't really want to read his quotes too much because they're from when he's in prison and they think like he's had the benefit he's had that he's had that sort of benefit of hindsight and actually it's like 
don't know, man. It just seemed weird yeah. putting his words into this. I didn't want to do it because it's pretty... Like, it's, it's going to get grim. So there's a documentary called Stoke, The Rise and Fall of Gator by uh, Helen Stickler. Um, Tony Hawk's in that yeah. as well as quite a few other famous faces in there that talk about it. Um, they, I think he's in it as well, actually. Um, yeah, so Tony Hawk's in it. Steve Caballero's in it. Um, yes, there is. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to use his words because he doesn't deserve a voice in this because it's just barbaric. Um, so he then handcuffs her and carries her upstairs to his bedroom. He shackles her to the bed, cuts off her clothes with scissors, and then rapes her for several hours. Um, Jessica, awesome. Jessica's still conscious through this, and she's begging him to stop, and she's screaming. Um, in an attempt to shut her up, he pulls a surfboard bag from his closet and stuffs her inside it. Um, she's still screaming, and he clasps his hands around her neck and then strangles her. Um, he flips his mattress to hide the blood that's there, and then put Jessica's body, her cut-up clothing, the bag, the handcuffs, and the club in the trunk of his car. He drives her two hours into the desert, I was going to read that as dessert then. Desert pulled off the highway at a desolate place called Shell Canyon and buries her naked body in a shallow grave. Um, as he drives back to Carlsberg, he tosses her bloodstained clothes, his sheets and the club out the window. And on the way back to the condo, he rents a carpet steamer and cleans out every spot of blood he can find. When the police came to question him uh, a couple of weeks later, there was no evidence to be found. So yeah, like I said, man, like, what he does is it's barbaric. It's not worth making any jokes That's about. It's crazy how professional he was, considering that was his first kill. He fucking smashed it. He, well, yes, anyway, yeah. There's there's an element of planning to that. I think, like when he speaks to her, like because uh, like they speak on the phone the same day and they make those plans. So do you think he's gone? I'm gonna fucking kill her, or do you think he's like? Like, as she's leaving, he's gone, no, she can't leave him and kill her or something. I don't know, man. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I think how calm he seemed just... Obviously, you can't tell if he was like... You have no idea how it went down, really. So, like, he could have been in the car crying and apologising to the cops or something. We don't know. But the, the, how cold it seems just from his actual actions and the fact that he did it all so cool and collected and managed to get the carpet cleaner sorted and, you know, all this shit. It makes it seem like he must have not been shocked that he'd done it I think if it was this impulsive thing that he did in the moment like it was just she mentioned something about Brandy to him and he just fucking saw red and then he was like oh my god what have I done I don't think he would have pulled off the rest of it and be sort of post murder aftercare you know as, as well as he did so it feels like he, he decided that he wanted to kill her at some point yeah because like, it's, it's sort of serendipitous that she calls him do you know what i mean that's why i think like it can't have been too much too too pre-planned i guess because like she calls him out of the blue it's not him making a move on her it's and then like at what point in that journey has he gone right now she has to fucking die that's the thing that i just sort of keep questioning when i read it because like if he's then reached out to her i can sort of go okay well he's definitely planned to get vengeance on brandy or you know whatever but like i don't know at which step is it when she first rings is it while they're eating because like everything yeah, just I, seems I think maybe so normal think doesn't maybe it when she rings him i reckon he already had murder in his heart for brandy you know he's calling, yeah. her, calling her a bitch and all this shit and then when she rings he's just like oh mint this is an extension of brandy you know it, in his view of the world his sort of psychotic view or whatever 
he was like, oh, sweet, this is a proxy for Brandy yeah. that God is, like, offering to me now to kill. Yeah, yeah, no, you may be right. Um, <clears throat> so, Stephen Bergston, uh, a Tucson lawyer, um, gets worried uh, about her disappearance. Um she stopped calling him after she left the Southern California and he uh, flew out to San Diego to find her himself because he wasn't impressed with the efforts of the San Diego police. Uh, you know, which, uh, in the, this sort of conflicting stuff there, isn't there? I mean, the police can only do so much. They go to the last known place that she was at and there's no evidence of her you know, being there or whatever. What, what do you do, you know? I sort of sympathise him in that respect, but as a father myself, like I get, I, I totally understand where he's coming from. Um, he plasters the entire county with posters that read "missing person" with a picture of her grinning face and her vital statistics, um, and the telephone numbers for the San Diego Police Department. He talked to her friends and he even met with Gator to ask her, ask him about her whereabouts. Um, Gator shook his hand and told him no he didn't know where she was which is oh, that's that's the worst bit man no it's not the worst bit fuck that it's not the worst bit at all but, um, <laughs> what are you expecting though he's going to shake his hand and go I know where she is <laughs> wink wink <laughs> I know but like to look her dad in the eye and shake her hand man you don't fucking lie to a man you shake hands with we both dude if, dude if you can rape and kill someone bury the body you can fucking yeah, lie guess, to a guy I guess so um, there were no other witnesses, and two months went by without any leads. Um, Bergston's body is found by campers on April 10th, 1991, but it's so decomposed that it could not be identified. Um, Dude, is that worse or better for the campers? Is that less scarring, or is that...? I, I think it's grim either way, isn't it? Um, I think if you find a body that's severely decomposed, you can be like, oh my god, this is a corpse, rather than, like, I'm seeing a person. This yeah. is like dead stuff. I guess like, so. Um, Johnny and Jordan were telling me just quickly before they continue that, that they were out the other day down um, B-Fold Lane, you know, yeah. just like going on a little, uh, of, of course, a social distance walk. Yeah. And uh, they saw, like, they were just chilling for a little bit, sat on this grass, and then all of a sudden they noticed there's like, like a body behind them. Oh. And, they, and Johnny said in that moment, he was like, Oh, this is it. I'm seeing my first dead body, and you know, and everyone was sort of distressed until I mean, long story short, it turned out it was a spy said ambulance came. The spy said ran away, but for for a, for some time, for 10 15 minutes, they thought they were seeing a cadaver. That was, was like that had fresh as well. Like, he would look fresh, like not decomposed. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I, but I think from their account that they told me, it seems like it'd be worse to feel as if you're seeing someone. Freshly dead because you'd almost feel as if, like, if you'd have acted differently, you might have been able yeah. to prevent the death or something. Yeah. And there's something about a decomposed body, though, the smell of it as well. Like, I, I guess you've got that sensory overload of seeing a dead body, but also smelling it as well. Like, you can't. Yeah, smell without it. question, the worst one is probably a slightly decomposed body where it's like <laughs> it's somewhere in the middle. Bluish sort of body with maggots coming out of its ears. That's. That's the one that the image will burn into your Like, you'll always see that when you yeah. close your eyes. Yeah. But um, then, second worst, fresh dead body. Third worst, skeleton. Let us know. Email seriousjames at gms.com. Um, 
so the campus find the body. Um, Constantino tells a story of him and Rogowski at, at, at the corner of this sort of 7-Eleven where they're handing out leaflets and telling young girls that are wearing sh- uh, skirts that are too short that they need to be saved by Jesus. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Rogowski sees one of the posters and his face sort of changes. Um and then Constantino tells another girl, look, you know, if you don't fucking shorten your skirt, you're gonna end up in a ditch like this fucking girl here. Um, and then later on that night, uh, Rogowski, uh, well, I think they're living together at this point, um, goes to Constantino's bedroom and says, remember the girl in the poster, she was the one that I killed. And then Constantino encourages Rogowski to confess his crime to the police, um, which he did, which sort of, uh, uh, waived his legal rights. What a fucking weird conversation that must be as well. Like, yeah, I thought you were going to say that he was going to kill. <laughs> no, no. Um, so the police. Uh, imagine if you came to me and went, "Dude, I fucking killed her." I'd be like, "What? What are you talking about?" Yeah, you what kill crazy? Her. Like, yeah, no, I fucking killed her. Man. I did this to her, and then you'd have to explain it's, to him what he did. This Constantino guy's got Darren Brown level of influence. Where he's just like, "Hey man, you've you've killed someone. You need to have yourself in." I, I, go, I, th- yeah. I think at this point, though, Rogowski sort of sees him as his spiritual advisor because he's gone down the sort of Jesus path, hasn't he? I know some of his actions don't tell you that, but he's gone down the sort Dude, of. Dude, how are you down the Jesus path? Doing a seven-hour fucking rape set. <laughs> yeah, and, and no, I know, but he in his head, he's still. You know, he's still reading the Bible and stuff. He's still attending like sermons, I guess. So I think he sees Constantino as his sort of spiritual advisor. So when Constantino tells him that he I love needs that he to needed, go to church, he needed someone to say, "Hey, man, I, I think uh, God probably not cool with the, uh, with the whole thing." <laughs> what I want to tell you is that what you did in the eyes of the God, it's not fucking cool, man. Um. So the police are absolutely astonished that someone's turning themselves in for a murder they didn't know about. Um, Jessica's body had been found in, in the desert, uh, uh, but you know, they didn't know because, obviously, like I said before, it, was, it wasn't identified. Um, the next morning, Gator leads the detective to where he buried the body, uncuffed and standing under the hot desert sun. Uh, Gator watches as they dig around for more evidence, photograph the site, and talk to local police. When the police announced Gator's confession, the press just absolutely jumped all over it, obviously, because he's a huge superstar from the 80s. It was the lead story in the local papers, local television, ran nightly updates, and national TV. Um, They they have dramatic reenactments of it, um, which I don't think we need to reenact rape. What what would you have gone with for the headline? Um, I don't know. Oh, I can't. You put me on the spot. Doing something funny now, and I can't. Okay. I know. We'll, yes. come, we'll come back to it. it was, we won't. Um, so the police continue to compile evidence uh, in um, Gator's case, um, just in case he decides to plead not guilty. Um, they found some blood stains on the Gator's carpet and a carpet cleaner receipt. Um, and then Gato was obviously charged with special circumstances because he's committed murder during a rape, which under California law can warrant the death penalty or life imprisonment without possibility of parole. 
at parole even. Uh, Gator pleads guilty to first degree murder and rape, thus avoiding the death penalty. Um, and at the January 92 hearing, um, Gator submitted a remarkable four page written statement that hinted at the struggling ongoing in his mind before his crime and during his commission and afterwards. In the statement, he admitted that although his original confession was directed by the Lord, in the subsequent eight months later, he had been tempted to dodge responsibility, deceiving myself as well as others. But now at last, I've been led to a full true repentance, having nothing to hide. Thank God. Uh, Shortly after this, Superior Court Judge Thomas J. Whelan sentences Gator to consecutive terms of six years for forcible rape and 25 years for 25 years to life for first degree murder so a minimum of 31 years uh, gator would not have been eligible for, for parole until january 20 uh, until 2010 at the earliest um in february 2011 he was denied parole and he will not be eligible again until march 2023 and that is the story of mark gator Rogowski. I told you it was a juicy one last week. That was horrible. Yeah, it's a grim one, isn't it? I think it's because you detailed the sort of murder and rape. Uh, Well, I didn't detail it. I just told you what happened. Yeah, it wasn't just like, he raped her and killed her. Like, you know, it was all like several hours and she was begging and he shoved her in a bag and... Yeah, because like what he did was horrible, man. I'm not going to underplay what what a monster he was. That does no no justice to the victim or her family. She was put through torture, man. Uh, yeah, still can't think of a good headline for it. Yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't think we should. Gator, skater, gator, hater, gator the skater hated her. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, like l- unfortunate for Jessica, but luckily, you know, Brandy didn't receive the end of that sort of punishment, I guess, for her sake. Oh, uh, she's not buzzing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at least she's not dead. So there is that. I know. Um, would you rather be dead than feel as if you're in some way responsible for what happened? I don't know. Well, what would you rather be? I don't know, man. I think I, if I'm Brandy, I'd feel so like I sort of fucked him over or I could have done more. And then I also introduced, I was in a way like responsible for Jessica being friends with him. And, I, you know, I didn't try and, I mean, there's nothing, it was obviously his fault. It's not her fault. Like there's nothing you can do. Like she wasn't, she shouldn't have to sort of like, ring him back up after he rings her up saying, uh, you know, you're a piece of shit or whatever. She shouldn't be like, no, actually, you don't kill anyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Responsible for his own actions. <laughs> I think if you just even associated with that whole thing happening, I think if you, you know, like if, say if someone killed themselves that you knew, the reasonable part of your brain says, oh, you know, I, that's, they're mentally ill. I, I was always friendly to them. I could not have done anything, but there's a part of you that would just be like, oh, could I have done something else? Like you just constantly rack yourself with guilt and worry and, and regret that you hadn't sort of dealt with the whole thing differently. And I think that must be how Brandy feels. It's such an extreme case. And she was friends with Jessica and she was fucking significant others. She was like 
sweethearts with Gator. So she, she must feel like inextricably connected to it all in a horrible way. Yeah, I guess so. It's it's probably one that she's, uh, yeah, like you said, man, she doesn't just go to sleep at night pretty, does she? She'll have had to have some serious sort of counselling and therapy and like I imagine that's probably... Well, I bet she going. sold a story to the magazines, didn't she? The I, good lad. I don't think she did, to be honest. Like, How do we know about it then, James? Um, I mean, the where I've got my sources from, so Wikipedia, Murderpedia, and uh, uh, a Mint article from The Village Voice, um, which is where we've got most of that story from. Um, like, she speaks in that article, but, like, there's not much else spoken about from her from what I can sort of see. She's not, like, massively... Like, she didn't flog it to, like, the tabloids and stuff. And the article that I read was like like directly in the aftermath. So it's from The Village Voice by Corey Johnson. The article is how skateboard king Mark Gator Anthony was born again as a rapist and murderer. Um, that that goes into a bit more detail about some of the stuff. I've obviously condensed it because otherwise I'd be here all night. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's a, a primary source as well as Wikipedia and Murderpedia. What's the guy's last name again? Uh, Rogowski. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot in there to help with the headlines. No. Um, yeah. So yeah, I told you that I had a good hey, one dude, burning. I, th- I thought of a uh, I thought of <laughs> thought of something like I don't know if it's it's just an observation, not a criticism, an observation. The structure of these podcasts. I know why you've put the crime at the end there because it's heavy to just go straight in on it. And it's good to like break bread a little bit at the beginning, but. Is it not going to be like horrible, somber sort of taste left in the mouths of the listeners after every episode? But the flip side is, look, after we talk about that, how can we then joke about some of the stuff that we joke about? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's it's always nice to do like the fun stuff, the check-in and, you know, all the other stuff that we talk about at the beginning because like I don't really particularly feel like being like hilarious after reading about that. It's bad enough like reading about it. No. Um, it's um, how they do it on um, My Favourite Murder, which again, if you've not checked it out, check that out. That's really good. They sort of, and it's sort of what makes them so successful is they have uh, like the start of the podcast is sort of similar to how we do it. We check in and jokey, jokey time and stuff like that. And then they go into the crimes and like, cause like if you did the crime I love first, jokey, jokey time. If you do crime and then jokey, jokey time, then you sort of look like a psychopath because you've sort of like, yeah. <laughs> And anyway, after that, here's some jokes. It's like, no, no like there's, there's a time for yeah, that. Yeah, I'm going to go go and have a little cry right now. <laughs> yeah, it's dark, man. But that's, you know, this is, this is, this is, I mean, this sort of stuff fascinates me that true crime, I, I love true crime anyway. And then to combine that with people who are like famous, especially in a sporting capacity as well, like the highs and the, and the lows as well. It's just really sort of fascinating that, you know, he, he, you know, he could be up there with the sort of level of fame that Tony Hawk is. Do you know what I mean? But he's not because it's yeah. He doesn't. It's a good premise for a show. Um, yeah. So hope you enjoyed that. Um, this is. I feel like this one's been a long one. It might not be. Um, but um, yeah, it's been good. Uh, at Serious James on Twitter, at Serious James on Instagram, SeriousJames at jmx.com for those emails. Send in some questions and stuff. Send in some stuff that you want us to talk about. Happy to uh, open up 
everything to the audience and the listeners. We want you to be involved. Um, so let us know the stuff that you like, stuff that you don't like. Um, and yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been a blast. Um, see you on the flip side, suckers.